Hey there, I'm Brad Feld, co-host of the Give First podcast, along with David Cohen. In this podcast, we talk about mentors and entrepreneurs in the startup world and discuss the concept of Give First, which means being willing to help other people without an expectation of return. It's not altruism. You do expect to get something back, but you just don't know when, from whom, and what consideration over what time period. Stay tuned for some great stories from some outstanding entrepreneurs about how making Give First makes great entrepreneurship possible. And now, before we really get started, the legal stuff, spoken really quickly. The following discussion is expression of personal opinion does not represent the opinion of Techstars or any company we discuss. Our conversation is for informational purposes only, including any mention of securities or funds. This is not legal, business, investment, or tax advice, and it's not intended for use by any investor. Certain of Techstars funds own or may own in the future securities in some of the companies discussed in this podcast. This is not in tiny little print at the bottom of the advertisement on your TV set because it's a podcast. Hey everyone, welcome to the next episode of the Give First podcast. Um, today I'd like to welcome Mary Grove to our podcast. I met Mary many years ago through our mutual involvement with Startup Weekend, and we've had a chance to work on a bunch of different things over the years, including things like Up Global, Google for Entrepreneurs, and the Techstars Foundation. Uh, today, Mary's a partner at Revolution's Rise of the Rest Seed Fund, which is a VC firm doing incredible things, investing in seed stage companies located outside Silicon Valley, New York, and Boston. In my experience working with Mary on these different things, she totally encompasses the philosophy of Give First. And as I've gone on my own journey to understand how to think about Give First and really build that philosophy of business, um, I've learned a ton from Mary over the years. So Mary, welcome to the show. Brad, thank you so much for having me and thank you for that kind introduction. It's, it's an honor to be here. Well, let's start off by hearing a story about how you ended up at Google working on Google for Entrepreneurs. Sure. So I had the great privilege of joining Google in 2004, and I was coming out of Stanford on my way, I thought, to law school. And I thought I would just uh, pause for a year or so and take a job at a, at a then small company called Google. So I joined the legal team back in 2004, and I actually worked on the IPO deal team for my first year which was a fascinating and a wonderful experience, you know, with the process of going public, becoming a public company, and really being part of a very fast growing organization. And so when I joined Google, we were about 2000 people. And when I left almost exactly a year ago, Google was, was about 75,000 people. So it was a great a 14 year run where I, I learned a tremendous amount and I'm you know, super grateful for the experience. When we talk about going from a startup to a scale up, a uh, thousand to seventy five thousand employees is quite a change. It really was, and and it was really remarkable, Brad, to watch you know our, our co founders Larry Page and Sergey Brin on that journey and and see how they were able to scale the culture as the organization scaled to be you know that large and and I had the opportunity to to work and travel to probably about 40 different countries in terms of visiting Google offices. And I was always so struck by the fact that each, each office had its, its local culture and local flavor and, and you know, honored the local uh, country, but really such a consistency of, of culture and spirit. And you know, I'm happy to talk more about some of those values, which are certainly core, core lessons that I carry with me today. You were at Google, again, for a long time, but there was a shift in your role at some point from the operating business in the context of you know the legal legal group and that to this new thing that got created called Google for Entrepreneurs. Uh, I, my guess is many of our listeners know what Google for Entrepreneurs is, but maybe 
talk about it for a few minutes, how it got started and, and what your initial involvement in that was. Absolutely. So, so after my work on the, on the IPO, we were a public company. I then spent the next six years as a part of a team called New Business Development, which was led by Megan Smith, you know, one of Google's most amazing leaders. And I worked for her for six years. And that team was really working on early stage product, business development, expansion into emerging markets. And that's where my, you know, I, I truly fell in love with the company, uh, certainly the culture, but also what was happening on the business and product side, particularly around access. And so I spent a lot of time working on emerging markets and and very emerging markets. We had a project called the Bottom 20, which was looking at the 20 least connected countries in the world from an access and infrastructure perspective and put together a cross-functional Google team focused on how Google could help both from a a Google Inc. perspective and also a Google.org philanthropic perspective. So had the opportunity to spend time in places like uh, including, you know, Iraq, Afghanistan, Pakistan, Gaza, the West Bank. And really through through that journey, what was most exciting to me was the opportunity that entrepreneurship created in these markets, right? It was certainly Google could have a direct impact, but if we could help fuel and foster startup communities, that would build a platform for true economic development locally and and globally. And so fast forward to 2011, as we had been doing that work, our, our senior leadership team at Google recognized that so many teams across Google were, were dabbling a little bit in activities supporting startups, but there wasn't a consolidated proactive effort around it. And so I had the opportunity to give some thought to that, you know, based on the work that I had been doing on, on Megan Smith's team and, and sort of create, essentially pitch what became a new team. And that's Google for Entrepreneurs which today is called Google for Startups. And essentially our, our mission was you know, to bring the best of Google's resources to accelerate the growth of startups and entrepreneurial ecosystems by using all of Google's resources. And that included you know, our, our capital, our talent, our technology. And that's actually what, what led me to the journey to meeting Startup Weekend and ultimately Techstars. And so Google for Entrepreneurs was, uh, you know, a really amazing part of my Google experience. And, and through that, we partnered with about 60 organizations who I really believe are best in class, groups like Startup Grind, Startup Weekend, Techstars, um, Pasha in Pakistan, you name the, the continent. And we were able to be there sort of supporting the greatest community leaders. And, and it was a great time. I have in my head that uh, our first interaction was made by uh, Mark Nogger, uh, around Startup Weekend on some kind of video thing that we did together around that time, 2011-ish, uh, talking about startup communities. Uh, I'm not 100% sure that's right, but that's what I kind of vaguely remember. That's right. I, I think we did a Google Hangout together, actually. What were some of your recollections around those early experiences that you had with with Startup Weekend and then its evolution towards uh, what ultimately became Up Global? Startup Weekend, you know, has a, a truly dear place in, in my heart and my memory because so we started Google for Entrepreneurs, as I mentioned, back in, in 2011. And immediately we believed that partnerships would be a fundamental part of, of the work, meaning there would be some direct work that Google did in the field, but really the way to get scale and impact was by working with, with best in class partners. And so the very first partnership we ever signed was with Startup Weekend in 2011. And at the time, 
I had attended a, an early startup weekend a couple of years back in New York when I lived in New York City, and I was really, really impressed with the format. And so caught up with Mark Nager, and we just believe in the power of this 54-hour event format and the fact that it was all about community-driven um, change. And so our partnership really was to enable Startup Weekend to take that model and expand it from, you know, I think a few dozen countries, ultimately into 140 countries. And that was a great, extraordinary uh, time in, in Google for Entrepreneurs history, because we found a partner who I think so fully aligned with us from both a mission and an execution perspective. And, you know, they, of course, assembled a fantastic board with with really great um, talent, which is how I was connected to you. And and the rest is, is kind of history. What was your first memory of Techstars? And, and your, sort of your first involvement with Techstars, um, and, and sort of more broadly, is you know Techstars has evolved uh, globally. You know many of the the ideas I think around Give First, uh, which are now embodied in, in the philosophy that we try to have. You know I think were were ones that were not necessarily something we came up with, right? They're reflected by lots of other organizations and the behavior you had, obviously, with Google for Entrepreneurs. So when you think about the overlap of those organizations, what were some of your early memories there? So I got very involved with Startup Weekend, which ultimately became Up Global, as you mentioned. And then when Up Global and Techstars merged, you know, our relationship really only only continued to grow from there. So through Google for Entrepreneurs, we expanded the partnership with Techstars to continue to support those programs, as well as additional work, including the Techstars Foundation. And I was very struck by the scale and the breadth of Techstars in terms of, um, you know, certainly the geographic reach, the sector reach, and what seemed to be just the consistent quality across the board, which I think is really, really hard to achieve at scale. And so my, my first interactions were you know, back when the merger occurred. But since then, I've definitely uh, expanded my involvement. And I've been, been lucky to participate in a few different years of FounderCon, for example, which I think is a really fantastic and impressive event at scale. And I know, you know, working every day with founders, the importance of things like the BizDev day and the BizDev connections, those are really, really hard to come by. And I think doing that at global scale is very impressive. Um, another, another touch point I have now is is in my new home city of Minneapolis, where this past year I was I served as a mentor in both programs here, both the TechStars Retail and the TechStars Farm to Fork Accelerators. And you know, those were really fantastic to get to actually see a full program from start to finish in action, meet every one of the companies and and even follow up. I'm still in touch with some right now in due diligence for investment opportunities. And that's just from two of the programs. So I think we've you know, continue to enjoy that relationship. And then the third piece is I I am uh, on the advisory board of the Techstars Foundation, which I just absolutely love. I think that's the embodiment of, of the give first mantra, which Techstars has always had, but sort of formalizing that in the form of a foundation who not only, you know, supports entrepreneurs directly, but supports the community leaders who enable them, meaning there are so few groups out there. Um, I myself also run a nonprofit called Silicon North Stars, and I I know firsthand that it can be hard to find organizations who f- actually fund the organizations doing the work. And so I really applaud Techstars for the foundation initiative. Awesome. Uh, so you're living in a cold place, except for the summers. Um, and you moved there from the Bay Area. And when you made the move to Minneapolis, 
Uh, you also made a professional move uh, and joined a Revolution and their Rise of the Rest uh, seed fund. Um, maybe spend a couple of minutes just talking about what uh, Rise of the Rest is doing and uh, how you got involved originally with it and what attracted you to it. Sure. So, so you're right. I'm I'm a year into my new home city and also my uh, my newest career change, which is which is joining Revolution, and it's been just a fantastic and and super fun, fast-paced last year. So I joined Revolution as one of the partners on our investment team about a year ago. And in addition to investing, I also manage our portfolio support platform. So thinking broadly about how we support the companies we invest in, you know, post-investment at scale. So I'll start briefly with a little bit of background on, on Revolution and Rise of the Rest, and then talk more about how I ended up there. So with Rise of the Rest, you know, we're we're a seed fund, $150 million seed fund, fully focused on investing in early stage companies all across the US, specifically outside of Silicon Valley, New York, and Boston. And that is really because we understand that, you know, 75% of venture capital funding today goes to three cities, three states. And we really want to be a part of changing that that landscape of access to capital. And so to date, we currently have over 115 companies in the portfolio, and I'm really excited about the fact that those 115 companies span more than 60 cities across the country. So it's you know investing in cities like Missoula, Montana, Chattanooga, Tennessee, Indianapolis, Indiana, and, and just so many great communities across the country where there is great talent, there's a lot of innovation happening, and there just isn't the right level of visibility and access to investment dollars. So we invest, you know, broadly across, we're open to, to investing across all sectors and really focus at the seed stage on how we can be helpful and support the companies post-close. So we've launched our, our portfolio support platform I alluded to, which is really centered around three different pillars. So the first is technology and tools and how we can help enable through partnerships. The second pillar is education, how we really leverage the rise of the rest uh, network nationally, you know, that the team has been to 38 cities on seven bus tours and really cultivated a lot of, of great talent who are eager to help and support the portfolio. And then the third pillar is around community. So how do we really build a strong network of, of really passionate, amazing founders all across the country, community leaders who want to help support them. So it's been a, a really fantastic last year. I feel privileged to do the work and have learned a ton. And I think that, you know, in terms of, of the journey there and how it came to be, so I think we've all all come full circle. So I I met Steve Case about seven years ago during our work with Startup Weekend and Up Global, um, where, of course, I first met you as well, Brad. And, you know, Steve was was chairman of the board, and I was on the board as well, vis-a-vis -vis my, my work at Google. You know, Steve has remarkable leadership, and I was impressed immediately by how committed he was to creating both visibility and opportunity for entrepreneurs outside of Silicon Valley. And so beyond the work with Up Global, we started partnering on our Google Demo Day series, which through Google for Entrepreneurs, we featured startups every year from outside of Silicon Valley to a room full of Silicon Valley investors. And that was always uh, really rewarding and really fun to see uh, people come in to listen to these pitches with preconceived notions about what the level of talent might be in these companies. And, and be, be really surprised and, and impressed. And so 
uh, Steve was not one of those people who needed the convincing. He was he was the first to show up and the first to invest in many of these companies. You know, we partnered on this series for many years. And then when Rise of the Rest kicked off the bus tours in, in 2014, I was actually through, through our partnership with Google, I was on the very first tour back in 2015, which kicked off in, in Detroit. And I remained, you know, intrigued and excited about the mission as it continued to unfold. And, and now I'm, you know, super excited to be part of the team. Awesome. Um that that first bus tour, uh, uh, which started in Detroit, I remember it very uh, viscerally because I thought it was just one of these awesome ideas that Steve had come up with. And uh, in preparation for this interview, we talked with one of your partners at Revolution, David Hall, and and he also mentioned that that original bus tour. Um, do you remember? Well, I'm sure you remember lots about it. What do you remember about that tour as you went from Detroit through a couple of other cities? And I don't remember the cities, but I remember it was very Midwest centric. Um, and, and was very provocative because nobody really thought much about it at that moment in time. And, and, you know, here's Steve on a bus with a bunch of people driving around, hanging out with entrepreneurs. So what are a couple of key memories from that trip? I remember being struck by the, the parallels with, you know, through Google for Entrepreneurs, we were thinking about how, how do you knit together all these facets of, of an ecosystem and the Rise of the Rest bus tours really nailed the format in terms of in a 12 hour day of programming being able to convene and uh, you know stimulate robust conversation amongst all the different facets of the ecosystem, be that uh, government leaders, university and academia, successful startups, accelerator programs, co-working spaces, and you know tentpole startups who've been successful, as well as local media who could help amplify the stories and narratives coming out of these companies. And I was very struck by the power of that that format to convene and 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 frankly rise the rest was able to really garner excitement from folks from the coast to come on the trip and come on the bus and actually see firsthand and i thought that was uh just just fantastic that that's one observation but the second was i was really struck by the companies we met you know the team has done a great job curating talent in each in each city but really struck by the pitches and the quality and and the fact that you know we are so virtual now we, we need to bust this myth that you need to only invest within a 50 mile radius, you know, where you can personally drive to everything can happen these days virtually or, you know, via a short flight from, say, Minneapolis, where I am now today. And so those were some of the, the immediate themes. It was that people were hungry for more visibility and, and you know, humble to have access to folks from the coast coming in. But I, I'm really heartened by looking at the past half decade, how much the narrative is, is, I think, beginning to shift in the right direction. And it's very exciting to see. Awesome to remember it. Uh, as we were getting ready for this, we also talked to another colleague of yours, uh, Jenna McKeel, who uh, you work closely with at Google for Entrepreneurs. And she mentioned uh, some trips. You, you talked about going to a bunch of countries all over the world with Google. Uh, but she also mentioned a couple of specific trips uh, to places like Karachi and Afghanistan, where in those environments, you really embodied, in her words, uh, that we translated sort of the notion of of give first. Do you have any good stories from from either of those places? Sure, absolutely. And and Jenna's Jenna's so wonderful, and she's you know now doing just an amazing job leading partnerships for Google for startups. And so I'm uh, happy that you chatted with her. I would say you know some of my most most vivid memories and th- things that have really just been etched in into my mentality were a lot of those trips to the very emerging markets. And the primary reason behind that is, you know, they embodied this notion that constraint breeds creativity. 
we, we use that a lot at Google internally, which is the idea that, you know, bootstrapped teams produce outsized outcomes. And, you know, it's, it's good to be lean and nimble and, and move quickly. But I was very struck by, you know, se- several examples. So one is, is a story from Afghanistan where we spent time in both Kabul and Herat. And, you know, we met just extraordinary, the extraordinary next generation of, of leadership. These are countries with 65 plus percent of the population is under age 30 and they are full of hope and full of hunger for access to information and, and access generally. And in Afghanistan, you know, we were everywhere we went, there was such a warm and enthusiastic welcome for Google and excitement about Google search. And Afghanistan at the time had had 4% internet penetration. And so I had to ask, you know, how is it that people use Google? Like how do they interact with Google given the, the low um, internet penetration? So it turns out that radio is the ubiquitous form of communication in Afghanistan. Everybody had access to radio. And so there was a radio show called Percival, which translates into seek and search. And so people would call into this radio show from their traditional phones. They would ask a query to the DJ. The DJ had access to the internet, would, would do a search on Google and read the answer over the air. I was so I was so struck by this idea that, you know, entrepreneurial people are ever innovative in finding solutions and finding ways to solve the challenges that they face on a daily basis. And I was always uh, I was just very inspired by that of, you know, we in our daily lives need to remember to push ourselves as well to think outside the box. And, you know, what if we didn't have all these resources or what if we what are the problems that we could solve at scale that might impact others as well? And, and in Pakistan, I was similarly uh, so blown away by one individual in particular named Jehan Ara, who runs an organization called uh, The Nest in Pakistan. And she has just been working tirelessly for decades to mentor, train, and really foster young startups from, from scratch. And you know, she, she also has a deep passion for working with female founders in particular, which I really applaud her for. She's faced a number of, of challenges, for, whether that's funding or governmental challenges, and has continued to persevere through with such courage and such bravery. And so I, I'm just reminded on a daily basis that the, the internet in many ways has democratized access to entrepreneurship, and we live in a global world with global opportunities. And it's so important to embrace that when thinking about starting a company. You know, it's how, how do I immediately solve for users all around the world? And, and how do I think as well about bootstrapping and being resourceful? And again, that notion that constraint breeds creativity. Great examples. I, I'm a huge believer in, in the theory of constraints and the idea that, you know, when you put constraints around a system, some of the most amazing things come out of it. And, you know, I hear from entrepreneurs all the time, you know, sort of a sense of jealousy of organizations that feel unconstrained in terms of resources. And, you know, one of the things I've learned over time is it doesn't matter how big or small you are, everybody faces different types of constraints. Uh, and if you can figure out how to use those constraints in your, in your favor, uh, it, it can actually be incredibly powerful. So th- those are great examples of that. Uh, let's let's end up with uh, and finish up with a rapid fire section. Um, so I'm going to ask you a couple of questions, Mary, and just give me uh, your answer in 60 seconds or less to the question and and the why. Ready? All right. Okay. Number one, favorite city in the world? I would say New York City, and I had the opportunity to live there for five years during my my time at Google, and I just felt like it was an extraordinary melting pot of many things and uh, many hopes and many dreams, but the energy and electricity 
and the sort of exposure to so many different cultures. It's not a city that I spend much time in uh, these days, but it is very close to my heart and one that I that I deeply love. Second, uh, an impactful book that you've read recently and why? I'm in the middle now of uh, just about to finish up Jean Case's book, Be Fearless, which is a, a recently her, her newest uh, release. And I love it because I, you know, we, we talk a lot about how to create a strong culture of entrepreneurship. And I do believe so much that so much of it is is culture. And by that, I mean, this this lack of fear of failure, this embracing this notion that it's okay to, to put it out there to iterate quickly to get harsh feedback immediately and pick up and, and keep moving on. And so I really appreciate all of the stories that that she weaves in there very practical advice that I think is super helpful for um, for any entrepreneur, but especially for those who are just starting out and it is, you know, can be a daunting journey. Fun answer. I uh, I read a pre-release of the book and I thought Jean did a fantastic job and I'd echo it. I think anybody out there that's listening, um, it's it's both inspirational as well as instructive. Uh, and Jean did a great job of not just, you know, curating the stories, but also sort of weaving in her own experience uh, through those stories. So it's a fun one. Next up, favorite charity and why? Well, this is a very biased answer. Not not sure if I'm allowed to to self plug here, but the charity that is dearest to my heart is an organization called a nonprofit called Silicon North Stars, which my husband Steve and I started together in 2013. At the time, we were both living in Silicon Valley and working at Google. And you know, we we recently moved to Minnesota, as I mentioned. Uh, Steve is from here originally. I was born in. Iowa, and we both have a ton of family here in the Midwest. So we started Silicon North Stars as a way to really build a bridge from the communities we were from with where we lived uh, today. Our mission is to inspire and educate young Minnesotans towards futures in tech, and we specifically target economically underserved youth. So every year we choose a cohort of a couple dozen uh, rising ninth graders, and we basically take them on a boot camp to Silicon Valley for a week, expose them to all the magic there come back to Minnesota and then provide them with year-round programming and support for the next four years of high school until they start college. And, you know, this was a personal passion project. It started, we, we bootstrapped it because we believed in, we were just both very privileged to come from families who also bootstrapped and, and you know, started their own businesses, entrepreneurial families who, to me, embody the American dream. And we wanted to give others that opportunity as well. But we're very grateful the organization has has scaled. Now we're back in Minnesota. And so we're actually expanding the program for 2019. And I should mention, Brad, that Techstars has been hugely helpful locally. Um, both Ryan Rochar and Brett Brohl have hosted our, our students and just been active uh, demonstrators of, of Give First in Action. So very grateful for that support as well. Homestretch, last question. Who is a person that you've never met, uh, either alive or dead, who you'd love to have dinner with? I would probably, I would say Michelle Obama. I've a uh, also just finished reading Becoming, her, her memoir, and was have always been a huge fan of uh, the causes that she advocates for. And I think, you know, I would love to uh, have the opportunity to dine and, and really pick her brain on how to apply some of those themes to our, our daily work and our daily life. Mary, thanks for the time today. Uh, you've been an awesome person to get to know and work with over the last almost decade now, um, all around a bunch of different initiatives. And you really embody this notion that we talk about all the time of Give First. So thank you for everything you do. Thank you so very much, Brad. I, I look forward to many more years of, of continued work together. And thanks for having me. 
We invite everybody listening to come experience Give First firsthand. There are many startup weekends happening around the world right now. Many mentorship-driven accelerator programs that Techstars runs have open applications right now today. So we hope you'll check all that out at techstars.com. And don't forget to give first.